Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Firestone Destination AT2. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin, TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Hey, it's Kevin Hart. In this basketball season, Chase Freedom Unlimited is helping me cash back all my game tickets. Plus, tickets for 23 of my biggest fans to cheer me on while I enjoy the game. Find your seat. I appreciate the support, people. Eat that pretzel. This'll never get old. Use more napkins. Okay, this is starting to get old. Say the tagline. Cash back like a pro with Chase Freedom Unlimited. Chase, make more of what's yours. Restrictions and limitations apply. Cards are issued by JPMorgan Chase Bank and a member FDIC. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code, a lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash codeassistant. IBM. Let's create. There are moments in life that are so special that you have to capture them and save them forever. They are one of those once-in-a-lifetime events, like your baby's first steps, the first time you bring your family pet home, or your daughter's first dance performance. With iPhone 15 Pro, more storage means you don't have to delete anything that can become a lasting memory one day. And it's important to be able to share these moments with family members who weren't there to see them in person. Store more, share more. Connect with iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T. Get iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T and get an iPad and Apple Watch for 99 cents per month each. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Limited time offer. Requires 0% APR 36-month agreement on each. Well-qualified customers. Other terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash iPhone for details. This is Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre. What's up, Straight Fire fam? It's your boy, Jason McIntyre. Straight Fire! Thursday, May 6th. Hope everybody's having a splendid week. We have a bomb-ass, yes, I'm going to get in a cuss word early in this podcast, interview with the one and only Ben Golliver. He covers the NBA for the Washington Post, and more importantly, he wrote a book that uh, I think you're going to like. It's about life in the bubble. He covered the bubble for the Washington Post. A lot of good stories. Yes, he was there. Ren Rajon Rondo's brother went at Russell Westbrook. Yes, he was there. And boy, does he have stories. I mean, listen, you are really going to like this interview. Ben Golliver, smart guy. We also delve into his background. I bet you didn't know. There are some smart reporters out there covering the NBA. With the Johns Hopkins was a high school valedictorian. Yeah, we'll get to the interview shortly. I just want to off the top real quick. 
No, I'm not addressing to all the 49ers fans tuning in, waiting to hear when I'm going to address the bombing. I mean, this is how crazy the 49ers fans are bombing me right now for my Trey Lance, Mac Jones take and Kyle Shanahan versus John Lynch in the front office. Okay. My daughter made a friend a couple years ago in preschool and her dad is a big 49ers fan and they live out here near us, but. Uh, their families are from Italy. So when the pandemic hit, they decided that, you know, we're getting out of here. They went to Italy after it cooled down in Italy. They haven't come back. Okay. He's in Italy. I wake up this morning. Hey, Jason, what's up? And he says, um, you know, I see his name on the text. Blah, blah, blah. Hope you're well. We're in Italy. Hey, so about the 49ers. What do- <laughs> and I'm, I haven't talked to this guy, I don't know, year and a half. And he hears about 49ers fans versus me and texts me to find out what's going on. So 49ers fans, you just got to have to chill. I will address it more tomorrow, okay? That's what I'll do. I'll talk about 49ers and the Kyle Shanahan, Trey Lance, Mac Jones stuff. And yes, the Michael Lombardi comments, the Todd McShay comments, the Adam Schefter, the Ian Rappaport. There's a lot. We'll get into that tomorrow. But uh, before Ben Golliver, I wanted to address Aaron Rodgers. Guys, I, I think we're at probably DEFCON 2. Is that safe to say? I don't know if it's DEFCON 1 yet, but two stories popped yesterday that were moderately interesting. Number one, Brett Favre, who loves to wedge his name, just crowbar his name there into anything. It's like Brett Favre is the dude who's friends with you, and you know you and your boys roll up to meet some girls at a bar, and he always finds a way to just get up in the middle of it and really try to be the center of attention. That's what Brett Favre does. And he's like, oh, my gut tells me. Aaron Rodgers is done with the Packers. He's he, like, why? what are you doing speaking? Go away, Brett Favre. Nobody cares about your opinion just because you played with the Packers forever. You think like we care? You have no inside information. None. He texted, apparently Favre texted Rodgers, so you're going to end up here, there, everywhere? And Rodgers like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Um, I think the bigger story is Brett uh, not Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers is on text chains with teammates, no surprise there, but he is apparently slandering Brian Gutkunst, the GM, Gutekunst. Gosh, I keep butchering that name. It's bad. It's it, it's rough. Um, and he's calling him Jerry Krause, a.k.a. the architect of the 90s Bulls dynasty, the second greatest dynasty in modern NBA history, second to the Curry-Durant Warriors, of course. And Jerry Krause, of course, was the object of scorn from Michael Jordan and Phil Jackson endlessly. I mean, they, they, they would not stop the bombing when the Bulls were winning titles. They just hated Krause. A lot of it had to do with some of the Krause moves. He traded away Charles Oakley, who was Jordan's boy, and Krause went against Jordan. Jordan wanted him to, uh, in the draft, take Johnny Dawkins from Duke. And Krause was like, mm, no, no thanks. Uh, I'm going for Brad Sellers. And, of course, Brad Sellers gets to the Bulls. Michael Jordan just goes at him hard, made life tough on him, and then Brad Sellers gets traded because he was a bust. Um and Kraus, it's weird. Kraus is a smart basketball guy. He had a great eye for talent. Brad Sellers, Johnny Dawkins, notwithstanding. Remember, this is a guy. You know, he did identify Scottie Pippen. Okay, um, you know, he got Horace Grant, uh, B.J. Armstrong. I mean, he picked good guys. Tony Kukoc. The problem is he was not a people person, and this is what Aaron Rodgers is really getting at. Of course, 
all the sports media people freaked out because they were like, oh, Rodgers is taking shots at a dead guy, Jerry Krause, who won six titles. Well, wait a sec. Okay? Jerry Krause had an eye for talent. That being said, he had horrible people person skills. Michael Jordan hated him. Phil Jackson hated him. Scottie Pippen hated him. Like, Krause did not know how to deal with people. That was his problem. And I think Brian Gutekunst, the GM, is at that level. Folks, we're starting to see people take sides within the Packers. Okay? First of all, the coach, Lafleur, is almost like, and again, maybe I'm drawing a conclusion here, but it feels like he's distancing himself from the GM, especially regard to the Jordan Love pick, because that apparently is what put Rodgers over the edge. And since then... He's apparently been telling Packers players who are going to be free agents, hey guys, I don't know if I'm going to be here, just so you know. I don't want you signing a big deal. I may not be here. Now, that being said, Bakhtiari, Rodgers' guy, who is his left tackle, protector, went to the Kentucky Derby with him. Even if Rodgers is doing that, like telling guys I may not be here, Bakhtiari signed a big deal, right? Uh, Right before his injury. So like, let's not go overboard with that. I, I think the slandering the GM on text chains with teammates is interesting, mostly because I'm assuming uh, one of the players on the text chain like told his agent, and then the agent leaked it to the media. But this does feel like we're at DEFCON 2 with Aaron Rodgers. And I will just say, uh, Rob G loves to feed me the numbers for how the podcast is doing, and Aaron Rodgers has been very, very, very good for business. So we're going to just drive this Aaron Rodgers train all summer long until there is a resolution. You guys can't get enough. A lot of new listeners. Hello, people. All right, without further ado, let's get to Ben Golliver of the Washington Post. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Kevin Hart here. This basketball season, Chase Freedom Unlimited is helping me cash back on everything. Even the sound system that auto-tunes the game. Curry from way downtown. Will the owner of a red sedan please visit guest services? Bet you've never heard cash back and sound like that. Cash back like a pro with Chase Freedom Unlimited. Chase, make more of what's yours. Restrictions and limitations apply. Cards are issued by J.P. Morgan Chase Bank and a member FDIC. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Kumo tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Kumo test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin.
TireRack.com the way tire buying should be. An October morning in a quiet suburb in a town in Scotland. A man is walking his dog when suddenly shots are fired from a car. The man falls to the ground and the car speeds off. An ordinary residential area, but extraordinary things happen in ordinary places. The instinct right away was it was a political thing. We're talking about Russian-trained, high-ranking officer in the Secret Service. An Assassin Comes to Town, a six-part podcast. Available now, wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to have supervision, enhanced hearing, extraordinary reflexes, to be, dare we say, superhuman? Well, Roku's new Pro Series TV can't do any of that for you. But with a 4K screen, side-firing speakers, and a blazing fast refresh rate, it'll sure feel like it. Elevate your entertainment using all your favorite apps like iHeart and play all your music, radio, and podcasts with the new Roku Pro Series. Your senses aren't better. Your TV is. You know a guy. Jason likes to think he knows everything when it comes to sports. I know what sports fans want. But for everything he doesn't, he knows a guy who does. Let's just say I know a guy who knows a guy who knows another guy. Let's welcome into Straight Fire a reporter covering the NBA. He recently wrote a book because he was in the bubble. Holy cow, for months on end. I can't wait to hear about that. He's currently at the Washington Post. Ben Golliver. Ben, how you doing, man? I'm doing very well, man. It's great to be here. Like I was just telling you a minute ago, I've been following your career every step since the, the early big lead days, so it's awesome to chat with you and catch up. Yeah, I I, I want to say I made a run to try to hire Ben at the big lead when he was like at Sports Illustrated, or maybe even before. Where were you before SI? I was at CBS Sports, and I was writing Blazer's Edge out in Portland, That's where I'm right. from. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, we'll get to Portland and Damian Lillard's comments later. But I want to start with the book. It's called Bubble Ball, Inside the NBA's Fight to Save a Season. Uh, first of all, is this your first book? It's my first book. And look, this was a passion project, man. I, and I was in the bubble for 93 days. And like that was Ooh. tough. Then I came home, took one week off, and basically just chained myself to a computer and wrote for the next two months to get my draft done. Um, you know, there was another two month editing process or so. So we were trying to get this thing out quick while it was still fresh. And I wanted to write it when everything that was going on in the bubble, whether it was on the court or the off, off the court with the social justice protests or, you know, the public health stuff was still kind of looming large in our lives. I wanted all that fresh on my mind when I was writing it, because I was just thinking, look, you know, 10, 15 years from now, basketball fans are going to want to know, like, how did LeBron win a title in Disney World? It just makes no sense. And so I wanted to make sure that this book was kind of that time capsule, you know? Well, wait a sec. What if the Orlando Magic make a no? I won't. <laughs> they could make a run next year. Um, so I'm curious, though. Uh, you know, we we've talked to people who were in the bubble. Tanya from the LA Times, who who's left the paper. But I, I am curious. Like, was it? It, it, I mean, this was a time still when COVID was pretty new, right? It was like three or four months old. So people were still scared about, you know, uh, you know, t- going to hotels. Like, how was it for you overall? Oh, I was freaked out for sure when I was getting down there. I mean, I was wearing a face mask on the flight, rubber gloves on the flight. Like, I was super <laughs> paranoid. I talked to a whole bunch of doctors before I even went just to ask them, like, should I even go? Like, is this a smart oh. thing to do? They reassured me that, look, you're probably going to be safer there than anybody else or anywhere else, but you're still having those thoughts of like, well, what if one player goes to a strip club like Lou Williams or orders postmates <laughs> like Rashawn Holmes or brings a woman into his room like uh, uh, Daniel House the whole House, time? You're, right. Yeah. You're just thinking like all it takes is one guy. These guys are playing constantly. There could be a really quick outbreak. And I'll tell you this too, like 
I kept doing interviews when I was there the first week and we were locked in our hotel room for the quarantine, which was like a real mental challenge. I mean, you can't go out for any reason except to get your nose swabbed uh, by the, by the COVID testers. Right. Mm, Um, I'm getting all these interview questions from like Germany, Australia, and they're basically just asking, like, do you think you're going to die? Like, is there going to be an outbreak? <laughs> so, like, I just when I, I was starting to get comfortable down there, you're getting all these questions of, like, people treating us like lab rats and, and kind of just wondering, will this experiment work? But I'll say within about two weeks, once we started getting the negative test back from everybody, nobody tested positive. It was like this huge relief. But at the same time, there was big brother everywhere, man. I was wearing a tracking device at all times that would beep yeah. if I got too close to somebody. We had the electronic bracelet to get in and out of our hotel rooms. They used that to track us around the campus. On top of that, we had four le- levels of security, MBA, Disney, uh, local cops, sheriff's department. One time I was walking around at night, SUV um, rolled up on me and said, hey, we need to see your credential. Um, you know, Are you supposed to be here? I'm glad I had it. I don't know what would have happened if I didn't, but I mean, don't forget the infamous uh, snitch line too, right? Like if you're not yeah. wearing a mask, people could text in and report on each other. So mm. I was pretty relieved to get out of there, to be honest. Like it was hard and challenging for sure. But, you know, the the big brother stuff did keep everyone safe. So on that fact, it was a win. But that's really where the mental challenges for me were yeah. kind of taking place. I'm kind of uh, going off sports here, but what the big brother stuff you're talking about is interesting because apparently in China, that's like... People just live with it. That just is a deal. Like there's cameras everywhere. They know what you're doing. How did you feel when they they were tracking you everywhere you went, every move you make? I mean, it's like like you could do much, right? Well, I consider myself a law-abiding citizen. I'm not like, (laughs) I'm not getting up to that much crazy stuff, right? But there was one time where I was like doing laundry in the shared laundry room. It was at night, nobody's around. But I just thought, oh my God, I forgot to wear a mask for whatever reason, just that day I forgot. Mm. So I went sprinting back up to my hotel room of four flights of stairs, grabbed it, went right back down. I mean, they, they were in my head like that, basically, is what I'm trying yeah. to say. I was really paranoid. And you couldn't go in, like, uh, to other people's rooms, right? So my friend was like, hey, can you come over and edit this story for me? I was like, well, we got to do this on Zoom. Or, like, I, I don't even want them to know that, like, somehow they could track me with my bracelet or my uh, my monitor or whatever else. So they were definitely in my head, you know? And, and Wait who knows? Hold, hold on, hold on. Why couldn't you go in other people's rooms if you guys were getting tested every day? Well, they just wanted to make sure that every base was covered, right? So they were they were really strict with the players. They didn't want anyone coming into contact with the players indoors, basically other than their teammates. So that yeah. even the player to player contact was super limited. But we would, you know, potentially come into contact with players too, because in the post game press conferences, we're there, mm. you know, six or seven feet apart. So their their whole thing was indoor contact is is the way this thing spreads. So we've just got to eliminate it all. So for like, you know, when we were eating. You know, the tables were all spread out. You know, we'd be sitting six, eight, mm-hmm. 10 feet apart. A lot of times I was just eating alone a lot of my meals because there was no real socialization vibe to it. Now, it was a little bit different outside. People would hang out by the pool. They'd smoke cigars. The refs love cigars and they have big <laughs> stinky cigars and just kind of unwinding after their game days. And, you know, people would drink and, and hang out. And there was a few mixers and stuff like that. But almost always it was outdoors because they were just very, very careful about that. I am curious. I mean, you don't need to answer this, but, uh, you know, you're not married. So uh, do you think there were people, well, you know, uh, journalists, male and female getting together? Had you heard any rumors about that? You don't need to name names. I'm not asking you to call your people out. No, I would just say it was completely taboo. Like even with the interviews with the players, Mm -hmm. like the Daniel House thing kind of came out of nowhere because it was sort of like everybody had agreed to like the giant, like don't ask, don't tell policy on all that (laughs) stuff. Right. It was just like, look, we're all in this together. You know, who knows what the uh, the cable television bills are going to look like at the end of the stay for certain people. Uh, you know, I'm sure the <laughs> I'm sure the Wi-Fi is getting taxed, you know what I mean, at certain hours of the oh, night. Yeah. But 
look, uh, everybody was in it together. And I think there was more of like a, a mutual respect on that front, but you know, who knows how good the systems really were, but you know, we were barred from the players rooms and it, that's really what they try to do is make bubbles within bubbles. So like, yeah. I couldn't go walk into the player's hotel without a, an official escort. That only happened a couple of times. Um, you know, other media members, again, they're not supposed to go into other people's rooms. There were a couple of the players hotels that were actually out of our site completely. We couldn't get over there. I think that's one of the reasons why Daniel House probably got into trouble because the Rockets were the last team remaining in that hotel. So he's probably thinking like, we're the king of the Grand Floridian. There's nobody else there. Nobody's watching. It'll kind of sneak in a uh, uh, side door. And of course, it it didn't quite go that way. Yeah. Uh, I I guess I'm curious. Were you at the Rockets-Lakers game when Rondo got into it with, or, 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 or was it Rondo's brother and Westbrook? Correct. Yeah, Rondo's brother yeah. called him trash from the sideline. There was, these, <laughs> there was these big signs that said, look, you know, you have to basically treat this almost like a golf tournament. You know, you can politely clap and cheer. You can even stand up if you want. But there wasn't supposed to be any heckling. There wasn't supposed to be any negativity. And the yeah. Rockets were just falling apart completely. And Westbrook's yes. doing his typical thing where he's like getting into his own head. They're daring him to shoot. He's really frustrated. He can't hit a thing. They know they're about to lose. And they also realize that probably their their whole team's about to implode. You know, I mean, Daryl Morey and and Mike D'Antoni were gone not too long after the end of the bubble, right? And so it was clearly the end of a chapter. They were frustrated. And Westbrook went to the referees and was like, you know the rules. You know, you got to get this guy out of here. He's not supposed to be yelling at us like that. And uh, the referees, you know, talked to security and they, they dragged him out of there. But Rondo's brother was there because he was the head of the barbers, like kind of coordinating the barbers on campus. And so that's why he was one of the few people actually to to be allowed at these games. For the most part, the crowd was like really respectful. Um, Most of the trash talk was happening on the court. You know, I'll never forget LeBron in that same series going after Robert Covington. And, you know, Covington was complaining that he was being, you know, too physical, basically. And LeBron's like, all you guys do is touch and grab. All you guys do is hold. And he's basically telling him to shut up and just play basketball and get off of them. And, you know, we can hear this stuff much more clearly than I can hear it at like <laughs> a Staples. And I know you go to a lot of Lakers game at Staples Center, right? Well, we can yeah. hear some stuff in that environment because the seats down there are great. But in the empty gym with the playoff intensity, guys really yelling. I mean, I'm amazed like Robert Covington even could keep playing. Like, I don't know if you're in that spot, LeBron's coming after you and just basically punking you in front of all these people. I'd be like, oh, right. man, ch- check me out, coach. Let's try again yeah. next half, you know? I, I am curious, like you spent, you spent, you covered the NBA before the pandemic, you covered it in the bubble and you've covered it post pandemic. Uh, you know, people want to try to ding that bubble title for LeBron. Um, what was the NBA, was the basketball anything like it was pre pandemic in the bubble? Look, put it in all caps, exclamation point, underline, no asterisk. Period. No. Okay, good. Just you've got to give this you got to give this title to LeBron. A couple of reasons why. First of all, he was the best player in the bubble. Anthony Davis was the second best player in the bubble. Second of all, they went through the playoffs 16 and five. They rolled everybody. I mean, there was some competitive series, but they took care of their business. And then the other thing that you can use to validate that result is look how the teams responded to what happened in the bubble. If all these teams were just throwing away this postseason and saying it doesn't really matter. Do we see Philadelphia fire their coach immediately and get a new president and trade Al Horford? Do we see the Clippers part ways with Clippers legend Doc Rivers and and change a bunch of their roster pieces? Do we see Houston completely turn everything over, trade both their stars and their coach and their GM? Do we see Milwaukee mortgage its entire future to get Drew Holiday, right? Um, I think when you're seeing all of those impacts, 
within like three months after the bubble was over, right? I mean, the, the off season was really short. That tells you they all treated it realistically and they treated it like normal. And uh, so for me, I think the quality of play actually in the bubble was really high too. No travel was the one thing that everybody agreed was awesome about the bubble, right? The players yeah. loved it because they got into a groove. The referees loved it, even though they missed the frequent flyer miles. They were happy about it. And the re- and uh, media guys like me loved it because, you know, sometimes I'm flying cross country 12 times during the postseason, right? Back and oh. forth for these different series. In the bubble, it's like you got to take a 12-minute shuttle bus and you're right there to watch all the games. I mean, <laughs> from an efficiency standpoint, you know, like, you know, guys like you and me grew up on the Internet, like efficiency is what it's all about, right? And working from home has some real benefits because, you know, we can uh, do things more quickly, line it all up. That's kind of how it felt in the bubble, too, was like they brought all these games, like dropped them in my lap. And it's like, hey, you get to be Rihanna. You get to be Jack Nicholson sitting courtside, you know? Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the Clippers. Um, were you at any of the games in their meltdown against Denver? And, you know, having seen what you've seen from them this year, are they dramatically different or basically the same thing? Now, they have well, a new coach and a couple new players, but... Well, let me say my answer to every question, were you at the game, is yes. My pride and joy was that I went to every single game from the second round of the playoffs on in wow. every in every series. So imagine Jimmy Goldstein with the uh, private jet and all the connections. Even he couldn't do that in a normal year because all these games were in one spot, right? So, like, I'm a crazy basketball junkie. I'm like, I'm going all in with this. I'm just going to see every game. And that actually, you know, comes through in the book, too, because I can do a whole chapter on the Clippers and have said, well, look, I was at all their games along the way. For me, it was obvious they were about to crack about halfway through that series. There were some early warning signs with Kawhi really just not rising to the moment. I think it was in game, game two of that series. It was, And everybody was kind of looking around like, wait a minute, where's our on-court leader? What's going on here? After game six, Kawhi gets asked point blank by a reporter in Los Angeles on the Zoom call, are you guys choking? And he doesn't say no. He's just like, uh, he kind of like caught himself and was like, you know, kind of mumbled out of it. And I'm sitting there thinking like, man, this guy just got, you know, his entire reputation checked right here in front of everybody. We're all sitting there thinking, okay, well, how is he going to respond? If there's ever going to be that game seven moment where you're like, screw you reporter for calling me a choker, like, you know, screw everybody who's doubting me. That's going to be it, right? Like imagine if somebody called LeBron right now at this stage of his career a choker or a Damian Lillard. Like look how Damian Lillard responded to the Clippers trash talk, right? Yes. He comes out and puts up like 60 points and has this crazy run through the bubble, right? So, um, and just not really a big competitive response for the Clippers. I was convinced they were ready to go home. They weren't the only team. You know, the Sixers wanted to get out of there. They kept talking about how they missed the Philadelphia arena. And we're all sitting yeah. there saying, come on, guys, nobody has home court here. You know, everybody's everybody's missing home. Same situation, yeah right, yeah. right. So, you know, for the Clippers in terms of how they've evolved, um, the trading of Lou Williams and the letting go of Montrezl Harrell, I think, was important. They were stuck in between kind of an identity crisis where there was that mm-hmm. previous team that had been run by all those glue guys and, and the bench guys and the stars coming in. They never quite meshed it properly in year one. And now this year, it's the Stars team, and they've got some more supporting cast members. I like the Rondo edition for them. It should give them a little bit more, um, you know, I, I guess, guts in these tough moments. But I still don't trust them. They're very reliant yes. upon the three-point shot. They don't have guys who get to the basket a lot. They don't have guys who get to the free-throw line a lot. And if your Stars are just jump shooters, you're going to be really inconsistent in the postseason. That's kind of how I see them. But, yeah. look, the door is open right now. You know, the Lakers are kind of struggling. If you can't run through it now, right, if you can't take advantage of this opportunity, <laughs> when are you going to do it? That's a great point. I, I, I do. I just wonder, like you said, like reliant upon the three, right? So, I mean, essentially, like are Reggie Jackson, Pat Beverly, and Morris 
going to come through from deep if Paul George and Kawhi don't. And we know Paul struggled in the postseason um, since his early days with the Pacers. Absolutely. And then are those guys going to trust them, right? Like you get halfway through a series and let's say Reggie has like a one for seven night in game two, right? And you're Paul George and you're Kawhi Leonard and the weight of the world is on your shoulders and you're thinking, man, (laughs) we can't go out like this again. Do I really want to kick to Reggie when I'm open or do I want to put this on my own shoulders? Paul George did that in Indiana a lot. You know, they'd get into tough situations and he would always want the ball. Do you remember that huge press conference fiasco he had where he's like, I've got to have the ball for the final shot no matter what in that series against LeBron. So he wants to be that guy. But the problem is, you know, they just weren't those guys in key moments last year. And, you know, to me, that's where the getting to the free throw line stuff is so important. The Lakers stars do a great job of that. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, those guys can get to the free throw line for Phoenix. Jokic, man, he's got every trick in the book and he can get to the free throw line when he needs to in clutch moments. And so is, is Kawhi going to be okay with 18 footers every single time down or, or mm. Paul George hitting those deep, you know, off the dribble threes that he likes to go to. Is that a sustainable formula? I'm not sure. By the way, I question their defense too. Like, do they have somebody to match up with really skilled bigs? I'm sure you watched that game last yeah. week. Jokic killed Zubak. I mean, just absolutely destroyed him, turned him inside out in that game. I don't know if they have a better matchup. Where's Sergi Baca? I mean, they've got some real questions. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Hey, it's Kevin Hart. In this basketball season, Chase Freedom Unlimited is helping me cash back all my game tickets. Plus, tickets for 23 of my biggest fans to cheer me on while I enjoy the game. Find your seat. I appreciate the support, people. Eat that pretzel. This will never get old. Use more napkins. Okay, this is starting to get old. Say the tagline. Cash back like a pro with Chase Freedom Unlimited. Chase. Make more of what's yours. Restrictions and limitations apply. Cards are issued by JPMorgan Chase Bank and a member FDIC. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Continental Tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Continental test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Hello, iHeart listener. We have a confession to make. Both iHeart and this commercial you're listening to right now would probably sound a heck of a lot better on the new Roku Pro Series TV. It's got side-firing speakers that fill your room with sound, Dolby Atmos audio that puts you right in the middle of the entertainment, and the ability to pair seamlessly with your home theater sound systems that already have surround sound and booming bass. If all that sounds too good to be true, it'll sound even better on the new Roku Pro Series. Your hearing isn't better. Your TV is. 
An October morning in a quiet suburb in a town in Scotland. A man is walking his dog when suddenly shots are fired from a car. The man falls to the ground and the car speeds off. An ordinary residential area, but extraordinary things happen in ordinary places. The instinct right away was it was a political thing. We're talking about Russian trained, high ranking officer in the Secret Service. An assassin comes to town, a six part podcast. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Who do you think currently is the, is the best team most likely to come out of the West? Given the injuries, you know, Jamal Murray, LeBron, AD, all that. So I'm really big on being deferential to the teams that have earned it. So I usually give the benefit of the doubt to the Lakers. They've got me nervous here this last week, though. I mean, LeBron's mm-hmm. ankle and his comments about the ankle are very concerning to me because he needed to be in a ramp-up mode right now. And if he's not 100% right, like if – the ankle's not right. The Lakers' title defense is not right. It's as yeah. simple as that, right? And Anthony Davis has been pretty inconsistent, too. Um, I would still defer to them, but I think the team, you know, honestly, that people don't want to face is Denver. I could gush about Jokic huh. all day long. I think this guy deserves even more credit than he's got. He's going to win MVP, but I think that we need to start including him in, in possibly being the best player in basketball conversation. Now, you look at LeBron, Katie, Giannis, Steph. Those are the guys who typically get into that conversation right now. You look at Jokic's all-around offensive impact, how he can make his teammates better, how he can cover up for injured guys like Jamal Murray. They've just been absolutely rolling. He can score it himself. Um, I understand the defense is going to be a question mark, but look, he's average at least on defense, and uh, he makes up for it on offense to me. I just think that he's a monster mismatch for a lot of these teams in the playoffs. I wouldn't want to face them. Uh, I'd be more afraid of Denver, honestly, than Phoenix or Utah at this point. Woo. Uh, well, okay. I, I don't think I'm there with you yet on Denver. I, I mean, they just, what, the, what what I saw against the Lakers the other night was they basically just have two guys. It's yeah. Jokic and Porter. Like, I don't know who the third guy is. Aaron Gordon. Uh, is it me or just does he look like he's not confident offensively? Well, he's actually been pretty good for them since he's come over, but he's not the big time volume scorer. He's not Kuzma. You know yeah. what I mean? Where he's going to come in and light you up. I will say this about the Nuggets. The Lakers are their kryptonite. Anthony Davis is Jokic's kryptonite. Like he's mm-hmm. the one guy, and we saw that in last year's Western Conference Finals, where Davis's versatility and defense can really bother um, Jokic, and their defensive schemes really bother him too, where they trap and like they force him to you kind of beat them. But like if I'm saying first round matchup, if I'm the Nuggets, I'm feeling good about any team they might face in the first round. And you know if the Lakers were to get knocked out early, I feel like the yeah. door is kind of open for them. But no, I'm with you. Like look. They have no defensive matchup really that's great for LeBron or Anthony Davis on the other end. And so you saw LeBron get into a lot of the physical old man stuff, turnaround jumpers, yeah. put his head down, and, and those guys just physically. Aaron Gordon is a nice defensive player. Um, Paul Millsap, you know, no chance. I mean, maybe yeah, five no five shit. years yeah. ago, but even then, you know. so Yeah, even then in Atlanta, LeBron made him look bad. <laughs> exactly. So those are just really yeah. tough individual matchups for them. But in terms of the non-Lakers teams, like if it was Clippers versus Nuggets, I'm taking Nuggets. I mean, they've beat wow. them multiple times, heads up this season, and Jokic just kills their centers like every single yeah. time. So um, I'm looking forward to what he could do. I also love Jokic in that there's a playoff version of him where he kicks his game up another notch. It's not playoff P, right? Like playoff Jokers are real deal. <laughs> I mean, this guy's a mo- – we'll look back at his numbers against Portland, San Antonio a couple years ago. 
you know, throughout last year's postseason, he puts up monster, monster numbers. Well, I, yeah, but I don't know, Ben. How much of that has to do with playing alongside Jamal Murray, who can go for 40 or 50 at the drop of a hat? I mean, we haven't seen him without Murray, but, you know, the way Michael Porter Jr. shooting the three is crazy. I will say, Ben, if you look at the gambling odds, Denver, of the top five, is the longest shot to come out of the West. Take them. Um, See what happens. Utah's, Utah's I know nothing about gambling, but go for it. Look, I mean, Utah's good, too. Um and they've been really consistent. But, you know, I actually think, like, Gobert is almost easier to exploit in the playoffs than a guy like mm. Jokic. And if they go head-to-head, Jokic kills Gobert, too. Um, you're right on Murray, though. Look, it's going to really reorient their offense because you're going to be able to trap and double Jokic at will whenever you want because you don't have that backcourt scoring partner. And Murray, I called him the MVP, the most bubble player. Like, he was the guy who symbolized the bubble better than anybody last year. Oh, and so it, that, yeah. that was just an absolutely brutal hit for them. But I still think, like, they've been playing well without him. Like, I mean, it's almost not quite undefeated, but pretty close. And a big reason why is Porter stepped up. He can get a shot anywhere. And, you know, if you leave him, you know, Jokic is going to find him. And then Gordon's a great cutter. You know, he'll get to the basket. Jokic will just get him a lot of easy points. So um, I would just say be quick, you know, be careful. Don't write off the Nuggets yet. I guess that, that's my real point here. I, you haven't mentioned Phoenix, Ben. And I, I have to say, like, for me, they match up great with the Clippers with Bridges, a good defender, and Jay Crowder, really experienced uh, player on the wing. I know they don't have playoff experience, and Monty Williams has never won a playoff series, but I think they've got the best backcourt in the West with CP3 and Booker, and they have a big guy to, I guess, kind of, sort of match up with, with Jokic in, in Aiton. Worry on Phoenix. I view them kind of as sleepers, right? Like I think that they, they match up better with every team but the Lakers. So if somebody else can handle the Lakers for them, then I think their odds dramatically improve. Like, I, I think you can get by with Crowder and Bridges in that front line against the Clippers star forwards, but not the Lakers star forwards. I mean, 80 is just too long for anything they're going to throw at him. And then LeBron's too physical for Bridges. It's almost like they need the other Bridges out in, in Charlotte's body to go with Miles, you know, uh, <laughs> Phoenix's Bridges' game. Like, combine them combine. into one Bridges, and then you're going to be able to stop LeBron, maybe. Um the other thing, too, is with Chris Paul. I mean, look, he's going to have to ramp his minutes up, keep the efficiency up, and execute late in games. That's been a problem for him in previous postseasons, and, and we see he mm-hmm. kind of hits a wall usually around the second round. So that's just you know another concern that I would have. But they've been awesome. Monty's yeah. right there in the coach of the year mix. You can make a strong case for him or Quinn Snyder or Tibbs uh, out in the Eastern Conference. And yep. um, I think they kind of like being sleepers, by the way. I think they like yes. you know guys like me ignoring them because they could just keep doing their thing. So that's fine. Good for them. I'll add. Uh, I'll add a chip to their shoulder. <laughs> yeah, Suns Nuggets is weird. They haven't played. It looks like since January, like early January, and you know the Suns haven't seen them without Murray. I, I don't. I know you have to kind of walk before you can run in the NBA playoffs. Uh, so the Suns theoretically first time in the playoffs in eleven years, they got no chance. But uh, West does feel wide open, right? I'm with you though. Oh yeah, Lakers or bust. Uh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say no. Question and actually, the last time those two teams played, I think Booker was injured, so Jokic went nuts. But it was one of those things where, like, you know, Phoenix's roster is probably going to be in a better spot now than it was in January. So I think they're going into that series if it were to match up like that, probably second round. I think Phoenix would go in there with confidence too, just because yeah. you know they all really buy into Chris Paul. He's got to be All NBA second team this year. I can't quite get him into like the top three or four MVP conversation. Yeah. I know Charles Barkley wants to get there. I can't do oh, that, geez. but All NBA second team for sure. Uh, I want to wrap up the West with a guy you covered. Um, you were at Blazer's Edge, a blog. Now, I, did you start the website? No, I, I, my first site actually I started was called Draft Kevin Durant. And my whole goal was to try to convince <laughs> the Blazers 
to take KD over Odin in 2007. And, you know, I was wow. young and I was young and egotistical. This is on Blogspot, you know, and, and oh, I'm thinking yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be able to convince these guys to do it. And they, and of course it didn't go that way. And I was crushed and I was like, well, what should I do now? And luckily there was a site starting up called Blazers Edge. It had been around for a year or two. This is back in 2007. I was able to kind of, um, you know, communicate with them, get in touch with the Blazers, get a game credential. And so I covered the team for, you know, probably five, six, seven years, just going to home games, kind of doing it as like a moonlighting thing as I transitioned into NBA writing. So what I know that team. What were you doing as, as your other job? So I was just uh, sales and marketing for a small business uh, in the Portland area. We sold like oh. bike racks and it was really good experience because it was mostly online, you know, so I got, you know, it was kind of, uh, you know, there were a lot of crossover. Like I have a podcast now. So a lot of the marketing stuff we do with the podcast is similar to what I was doing back in my day job 10 years mm. ago, you know? That's pretty cool. So you went from that to writing for a blog, to Sports Illustrated, to the Washington Post, to a book on the bubble. I mean, it's been a run, man. <laughs> what what a run! That's like what thirteen years. I mean, you know, I'd say we're so bad at predicting the future because if somebody had told me five years ago that I would be in Los Angeles at FS1 and doing all this stuff, I would have been like, "Come on, get real," you know? Oh um, yeah, and, you know, five years now. Here's what's happening: I have a podcast and radio and all this stuff. I mean, if somebody had told you 10 years ago, you'll be at the Washington Post writing a book on the NBA, be honest, Ben, you're, you would have laughed him out of the room, right? Well, I don't know if you feel like this. Sometimes I feel like I'm Forrest Gump. You know, it's just like I just keep falling into these historic situations where it's like <laughs> I'm just wandering around aimlessly. Like, honestly, I never really went out and sought jobs. Like, things just kind of fell into my lap. And I know that sounds like kind of goofy. And I talked to young journalists and they're like, well, how did you do it? And I was like, I still have no idea. Like, I, I feel like I mean, it was hard work. Obviously, I was working around the clock and just threw my whole heart into this stuff. And I remember you'd be posted 10 times on the big lead. So it was kind of like back in the day, it was about, hey, we got to make sure that people know who you are. You have to be really yeah. self-motivated and kind of entrepreneurial in a way. Um, but no, I, I never saw the book coming, even when the pandemic shut down. You know, la like, like last March, for example, I really wanted to get something out of this time, you know, because there was no games. And so I started committing to fitness and trying to lose weight. I just tried to like turn a negative into a positive. Yeah. And within about two weeks of being in the bubble, I was approached by an agent and the book publisher saying, Hey, this could be a book. Are you interested? And I was like, yes, absolutely. Of course. And, yeah. um, you know, it was, it was daunting. You know, I, I had never done it before. I was pretty naive in terms of how the process would work, but I feel so grateful. I mean, like I just, I love, always love basketball. You know, like I said, I started on Blogspot in 2007 and it's just, you just keep taking one step at a time. It doesn't really matter, you know, whatever your long goal, uh, long-term goal is, forget it. You're never going to get it exactly where you want it, right? So you just keep making yeah. that progress day after day, and eventually you get a, a pretty good place. That's kind of how I view it. It's where I had read this, uh, some really smart guy talked about the different kinds of luck. You know, there's many different kinds of luck. People think, oh, you got lucky, you won the lottery. Yeah, that's one kind of luck. But there are other kinds where if you just keep stirring stuff up, you know, like you, like, I'm going to write about the NBA. I'm going to start a blog about draft Kevin Durant. And that stirred up interest and boom, you're at Blazer's Edge. And then you are writing about the NBA for Blazer's Edge and SI notices. Like, you can say it's lucky, but like everything lined up and you had to still deliver, you know, like that's pretty cool, man. No, I, I think that's awesome. 90,000 word book in 60 days, man, 1500 words a day. You know, I'm just grinding from 7 p.m. to midnight while tr trying to cover for my day job you know, NBA free agency, NBA draft and all that stuff too. So yeah. it, it was a crazy two month stretch for me, but I'll also say, you know, I was pretty privileged. I had an awesome writing education at Johns Hopkins university, which I feel like helped me stand out from the crowd because it was creative writing, not journalism. So that got me into a situation where maybe my voice is a little bit different than the typical sports writer, 
And then I was also lucky enough to be able to have a day job, like I mentioned, so I could kind of moonlight. You know, if I had to try to live off my writing the first couple of years, you know, I would have been homeless, right? That, that just wouldn't have worked. So, wow. So, John Hopkins, huh? Yes, sir. Yeah. I know it, people know it as a medical school, but they actually have yes. an amazing creative writing program. And I owe so much to them. Like, it's, it's been fun to hear from some of like the old professors because, you know, the post is in DC. So, a lot of people read the post uh, back there. Mm. And, you know, it just for me, it's like a full circle moment. If you had told me in college that I'd be writing a book, I would have said, no, all these other kids here in this class, they're the ones who are going to be writing books. You know, you have that kind of imposter syndrome a little bit, but, um, you know, it, it feels really cool to, to get it done. So would you have like a 4-0 coming out of high school and stuff? Don't get me bragging here. Yeah, no. Uh, you know, valedictorian? You, I was a valedictorian in my high school, yeah. Oh, that's amazing, dude. Wow, congratulations. <laughs> was it a big class or, or kind of small or what? So I think Beaverton High School, so Beaverton's well known as the home of Nike International World Headquarters for Nike. Oh, so I grew funny. up getting all that swoosh propaganda just pumped straight into my uh, my veins. Um, but I think at the time, Beaverton might have been the largest public high school in the state. Um, you know, Oregon's not the most populous state, but it's right up there with one of the biggest high schools in the state. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, you know, let me dive a little deeper while I've got you here. So were your parents writers at all in any capacity? Um, no. So my mom was a, a lawyer and then she became a school teacher. Um, I actually, I think I got the book stuff from my grandma. She was a librarian. So she'd force feed books to me when I was yeah. really young. So I actually dedicated it to her. Unfortunately, she passed away a few years, but uh, like, you know, I give her the credit, I think for, for my interest in writing and, and my mom as well. She was always, you know, throwing books at me uh, pretty much my whole childhood. And then my dad's actually a computer programmer. And I think I got some of the work ethic stuff from him, some of the grinder aspect, because, you know, the computer programmers, it's like the, the old thing, like they got a two liter bottle of Mountain Dew and they're just like yeah. plowing away on a keyboard until like 3 a.m. I mean, that was his life for 25, 30 years, you know, I mean, just doing it for Intel. So I think there's a little bit of both my parents in this project, hopefully. Wow. Okay. So now I'm understanding why Ben is such a smart guy. It all is starting to add up. I mean, wow. What a, what a life you've give, lived, Ben. All right. Let's quickly go to the Eastern Conference. Not a, or oh, wait, one more in the West. Damian Lillard in Portland recently. Um, you know, Chris Haynes had a piece, and I, I mean, you, you you've covered a lot of NBA free agency, and every year for like the last decade, there's been a huge name changing teams, unhappy. That's what's driven the cycle, and. All of a sudden, Bradley Beal looks like he's staying in Washington. Um, Carl Anthony Towns, things have turned around a little bit in Minnesota. I, I just wonder, given what's going on in Portland, it looks like maybe a teardown in some capacity is on the horizon. Any chance, Damian Lillard, who has been steadfast about not wanting to join forces and stay in Portland, any chance that he could be on the move uh, from the Blazers? I'm not sure I see it for Lillard. Let me get into that in a second. I want to make a big picture point here, though, with the free agency, because you're right. There's a real drought here right now in potential disgruntled stars who want to move, and it's pandemic-related. You saw a number of big names re-sign contract extensions. We're talking about LeBron, Giannis, Anthony Davis, the list goes on. Those guys wanted to lock up their money early, no matter what happens here in terms of losses and, and finances, whatever. The stars wanted to lock in and say, I want my financial certainty no matter what, right? So that is naturally going to create a situation where you just have fewer stars available. That's driven up the price for guys like James Harden and Drew Holiday um, in some of these previous deals. But it's going to carry over into this summer, too, where it's going to be hard to find big time talent. Right now, here's the thing with Lillard. I mean, everybody knows he's been super duper loyal to Portland the whole way. I think he's just coming to a crossroads where it's like we've been trying it with Terry Stotts and the same group and CJ McCollum for a while. Um, there was one run to the Western Conference Finals, but how likely is that here over the next couple of years to repeat that uh, luck? 
we need a little bit more investment. It might be time to go for a little bit more. And it's really hard for a small market team like Portland to keep up with the Joneses, right? Like if they want to go trade for a Bradley Beal, what's that cost them? You know, four, mm-hmm. five first round picks, you're kind of mortgaging your future. So there's a conflict there between what's best for the superstar and what's best for the organization. And they're going to have to sort that out. I think it's more grumbling than anything. I mean, ultimately, he's living a great life up there. He's got a contract that's about to pay him $50 million. He's got a Toyota dealership in Portland. You know, he's got the rap career. You know, he's yeah, the cover yeah. of every media guide, every jersey. I mean, I think he really likes being the big fish in a small pond. So I would be surprised if he moved on. I think this is more about like, hey, I want to see more urgency from the ownership group and, and the front office. And keep in mind, too, the owner is the sister of um, the former owner who passed away, you know, pretty abruptly, Paul Allen. Like he was the Microsoft Allen, yeah. billionaire. So his sister's basketball is not her passion, right? She just inherited this team and with along with the rest of his estate. So there is some question like, will she eventually sell the team? How long is she going to be committed to it? You know, when you're Paul Allen, you know, he did not care whatsoever about the luxury tax. He'd be spending millions and millions because he was yeah. one of the richest men in the world. Now your sister comes in and it's like, well, if we're only making the first round of the playoffs, like, are we still wanting to spend this big money? I think that becomes a little bit of a question too. So Portland has some stuff to, to sort out, but I'll tell you this. I think Damian Lillard's going to be the last guy standing there. You know, they'll trade everybody so, else yeah. before they trade him, you know? So maybe they try to package McCollum and Nurk or whoever they can uh, in exchange for some, some star in some capacity. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns would be good fit. I think there with Lillard, but chance of getting him are slim, right? Yeah, I would just say it's time for a shakeup probably for them. I think for Minnesota, their decision on Towns could come down to where their pick lands, right? Mm. Like if you get the number one or number two pick this year, or even number three pick, you could have Mobley. That's a potential Towns replacement, you know, from USC. Or you could go grab a Jalen Suggs and have him be your new franchise point guard. And now you go forward with Suggs and Edwards as your backcourt and you just kind of move forward, right? If you yeah. don't keep your pick, and they could have to send their pick to Golden State if it lands outside the top three, right? If you don't yeah. get your pick, you better keep Carl Towns because then what are you selling your fan base, yeah. right? Like, So I think that some of their decision-making process is going to rely upon um, where their pick lands. But I also think like they really wanted to work with Cat there. It was personal last year, just knowing some of their front office executives pretty well. I mean, when they tried so hard to help Cat's mom when she was yeah. going through the COVID situation, the whole organization felt the weight of her death. And so they want to stand by him as long as possible, as closely as possible. It's just a unique situation emotionally, right? And um, I think for that reason, it's probably best to just chill on the cat talk. But, you know, that draft pick is going to be a wild card. Certainly. Uh, all right, we'll wrap up with this one, Ben. Um, in the East, you know, the Bucks beat the Nets. And the Bucks, uh again, it's regular season. Who knows? The Nets really tried hard in that game, though. Durant played, I think, 40 minutes. Kyrie, 39. I, I get the... I get the vibe here that the Bucks perhaps are better as underdogs. The last two years they've been, you know, the number one seed, the favorites, and they've kind of collapsed. I, this year they're the underdogs. Everybody's talking Nets. Everybody's talking Sixers. Is this the year the Bucks break through? You're right on the money. And there's a big theme in my book. Um, they did not handle the pressure of being favorites well at all in the bubble. I mean, it really got to them, especially Giannis. He was just wearing the burden of that on his shoulders. He's so much better cast as the underdog because that's who he was his entire life, going back to his yeah. childhood in Greece, right? So um, I think they're going to have an issue matching up once Harden's back. So I would favor Brooklyn in that series. But I'd say this, Brooklyn-Milwaukee is the number one series I want to see of any series in the entire Ooh. postseason because you've got KD, this quote-unquote ring chaser, big market guy, versus yeah. Giannis, the loyal guy. You've got KD, the smoothest shooting forward ever, probably in the history of the sport, 
versus Giannis, who's trying to work on his shot, but he's a much more physical player. Um, you've got teams that are, you know, you've got the glitz of Brooklyn and and uh, New York versus the, kind of the Schlitz up there in uh, Milwaukee, right? The it's Schlitz. A oh, just, you know, oh, wow. What a rough. It's almost like you've planned this. The Schlitz from Milwaukee. I love look, it. I'll be honest. I used that one before, but it's glitz okay. versus Schlitz. I mean, that's what we're talking about. It's a very natural story, right? Big market, small market. And so, um, and they, their playing styles are just so different. And then with the coaches, you've got Coach Bud, hot seat. He's got to get it done. They've got to make yeah. a deep postseason run. Steve Nash, rookie coach, first couple of months, he was shaky in late game situations in terms of how he's drawn stuff up, where does the ball go to, and those kinds of matchups. He's never played the postseason matchups games before. And they really don't have a great defensive answer for Giannis. I mean, they're going to have to figure something out there. So um, I just think it's a fascinating matchup. Milwaukee's going to have a real shot. I think three teams in the East have a shot to win the whole conference, but I'm taking Brooklyn um, based on the star power, but they need Harden back for sure. I mean, he's been awesome this year and without him, they just look different. I can't wait to see how Kyrie handles a post. If they're down two to one and he's only attempting 18 shots or something, I, I, you just know an implosion. It feels like an implosion is near for Kyrie Irving, especially when Harden gets back. Well, see, the thing is their chemistry this year has been amazing, which was the biggest surprise of all of it, right? Like when the guys have been on the court, they've played so well together, but they don't have the camaraderie and, and the cohesion because they haven't been able to all be healthy. So those kinds of questions you're describing, it's going to be straight in the frying pan, right? It's like, hey, yeah. game three in a series, Harden's been back for a week. You know, Milwaukee is like, you know, they're, they're finding a way to slow KD down. So how are we going to respond? And the Adversity, answers are yeah. Harden or Irving, right? Well, you can't be both. So who's going to be able to step <laughs> up? It's it's going to be juicy. And the other thing, too, about Brooklyn, everyone is going to be rooting for them to fail. As oh, soon as these certainly. playoffs hit, they're going to be that team. How do they handle that? You know, Katie always has the chip on his shoulder, goes back at Michael Rappaport on social media, always engaged in that kind of stuff. Harden, I mean, adversity in the playoffs has always been kind of his Achilles mm -hmm. heel as well. And Kyrie, you know, we saw in Boston, he was trying to guard Giannis. I mean, it was a disaster, his decision-making yeah. in that series, right? And that's the last time he's really faced postseason pressure. So they're the team that I'm going to watch more closely than any team in the entire league going into this yeah. playoffs. And Kyrie got there before Nash, right? Yep. And before Durant and yep. before Harden. So he, I, I wonder if he feels like, hey, I started this thing. This is my team. I, again, getting in Kyrie's head is very difficult. Um, well, but at any rate, Ben, we, uh, go On that go point ahead. real quick, I mean, they used to call it 7-Eleven. That was Kyrie's nickname for him and KD, right? Because they're jersey numbers. It's like, well, oh. it's, it's not 7-Eleven when you also have got Harden. I mean, you got to fit that number into your little mix. And so I do think, you know, Kyrie viewed it as like, this is me and Kevin's show. And, yeah. you know, now you got Blake Griffin. Now you got, you know, uh, Claxton's got to play minutes. Now you got all these other new pieces. Brown has been great for them. Um, you know, so it the, the world turned for uh, Kyrie Irving. You know what I mean? It, it switched yeah. up a little bit. Definitely fun getting excited. Just talking about this for the NBA playoffs. All right. He is Ben Golliver. Wrote a book. You should go check it out. Bubble Ball, Inside the NBA's Fight to Save a Season. Congrats, man. Uh, book is out when? To yesterday? Today? It, it's out. It's everywhere in bookstores right now. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Powell's, wherever you get your books. Nice. All right, Ben. Thanks a lot. Congratulations again, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care, man. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. 
Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Hey, it's Kevin Hart. In this basketball season, Chase Freedom Unlimited is helping me cash back all my game tickets. Plus, tickets for 23 of my biggest fans to cheer me on while I enjoy the game. Find your seat. I appreciate the support, people. Eat that pretzel. This will never get old. Use more napkins. Okay, this is starting to get old. Say the tagline. Cash back like a pro with Chase Freedom Unlimited. Chase. Make more of what's yours. Restrictions and limitations apply. Cards are issued by JPMorgan Chase Bank and a member FDIC. Hello, iHeart listener. We have a confession to make. Both iHeart and this commercial you're listening to right now would probably sound a heck of a lot better on the new Roku Pro Series TV. It's got side-firing speakers that fill your room with sound, Dolby Atmos audio that puts you right in the middle of the entertainment, and the ability to pair seamlessly with your home theater sound systems that already have surround sound and booming bass. If all that sounds too good to be true, it'll sound even better on the new Roku Pro Series. Your hearing isn't better. Your TV is. An October morning in a quiet suburb in a town in Scotland. A man is walking his dog when suddenly shots are fired from a car. The man falls to the ground and the car speeds off. An ordinary residential area, but extraordinary things happen in ordinary places. The instinct right away was it was a political thing. We're talking about Russian trained, high ranking officer in the Secret Service. An assassin comes to town, a six part podcast. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.